Hey, architecture firm owners and emerging leaders, get ready for unparalleled insight into the development of a world-class architecture firm and a worldwide organization driving the digital transformation of the design and construction industry with Build Smart, the podcast that's changing how our profession operates. We share the incredible stories behind innovation in the building industry with my friend and co-host, Patrick McLaney, FAIA, former CEO of the international architecture firm, HOK. You know, Yamasaki's office or firm lasted during his lifetime. And when he passed away, I think that was the end of the Yamasaki office. Helmut did not want that. He wanted a firm that would live out and grow beyond the founders. In season one, discover the untold stories behind HOK's meteoric rise, from 150 employees in St. Louis to a powerhouse with over 1,900 staff members and 27 offices worldwide. You know, they weren't as polite as the Kojima people. That was just boom. And anytime you have a creditor, whether it's Kojima or the bank, that wants their money, unless you can raise money someplace else, you are out of business. Bankrupt. Bankrupt. And hold on tight for season two, where Patrick takes us on a new adventure as chairman of Building Smart International, shaping the future of digital transformation in the design, construction, and operation of built assets. Ian Howell, Ken Harold, and I, Ken was my technical representative from HOK. The three of us took a tour of Europe of five cities in five days. Very busy time. Simply follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Build Smart Now and uncover lessons that will transform you and your architecture firm. My name is Mark Arlapage, and you are listening to Entree Architect Podcast, where each week I speak with inspiring, passionate people who share their knowledge and expertise all to help you build a better business as a small firm entrepreneur architect. Joining me today in this episode of Entree Architect Podcast are the hosts of She Builds Podcast, Norjuri Rivas, Elizabeth Rahr, and Jessica Rogers. If you haven't heard of them, She Builds is a podcast that spotlights women in the design and construction industry throughout history and into the present. It's a fantastic show, and we're going to get more into that shortly. But as a peek behind the curtain for this episode of Entree Architect Podcast, we actually recorded this conversation back in September 2020 during the first season of She Builds Podcast. A fantastic season, by the way. You should go listen from the beginning. But we decided to hold on to this release of this episode to align with what will be the launch of their fourth season. And we have some big news that we're going to share at the end of this episode. So stick around. In this conversation, you're going to hear more about the podcast and much more about the women behind the show. You're going to get a taste of the chemistry among these three friends that adds to the uniqueness of this very important show. I know you're going to like this one, so let's get into it. Elizabeth Rahr, Jessica Rogers, and Norjuri Rivas, welcome to Entree Architect Podcast. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Oh, you're very welcome. This is going to be fun. Uh, this is exciting. Uh, Elizabeth, Jessica, and Norjuri are the co-hosts of She Builds Podcasts, currently one of my favorite shows. I was saying before offline that I have a huge list, a playlist that I have you know, subscribed to all these podcasts, 
but I don't, I only have a certain amount of time at the very bottom of my playlist are all the, the current episodes. So that's the shows that I listen to all the time. Right. And it's not, not necessarily intentional. It's just the shows that I listen to all the time sort of fall to the bottom and she builds podcast is always in that list. And so I'm listening to all of them. And so it's exciting to listen. Uh, she builds podcast is a podcast featuring the seldom told stories of women who build women whose worth is not taught in schools, but who have shaped the industries of architecture, construction, and development over the last century. The podcast was started by these three friends who graduated from architecture school together, uh, wanted to fill the gaps of their education and share these stories with others. So ladies, I want to talk about the podcast. I want to jump into the meat of it, talk about what it is, why you did it. I want to talk about the whole thing. Uh, but before we do that, I want to learn more about each of you. We don't hear much about each of you on your podcast, but I'd love to learn more about each of you. So I want you to dive into your origin stories. I want to start with Elizabeth. Where did you discover architecture? What or who inspired you to become an architect and share that story from that point to where you find yourself today? Sure. So I've always been really interested in design and just design in general from a young age. I remember always wondering like which room was on the other side of a wall and that kind of thing, like kind of how a floor plan fits together, essentially. Like I remember thinking about that in the house I grew up in and things like that. And I was just always very artistic and that kind of thing. My mom is also an artist and very artistic, does tons of different varieties of media <laughs> relating to art. And so I think that definitely had an influence on me. And then when I was about 12, my parents moved into this, or we all moved into this uh, big old house that needed a ton of work. And so they were always fixing it up. And, you know, I spent my weekends painting and tiling and things like that. And we had a tile saw in the garage and all of those things. So I was definitely around um, home remodeling through most of like middle school and high school and that kind of thing. And my mom was always drawing floor plans of how she would change the house. And my aunt, her sister is an architect. And so that was sort of my intro into the profession, I guess. And so I kind of, and I was always drawing floor plans of like houses that I would design. And so residential architecture, I think because of like how I grew up in that was always something that I was super interested in. And actually like the firm that I work at now is pretty much exclusively single family residential. And I, I just love it. I love like making spaces functional, but also beautiful for people to live in. I mean, we spend majority of our time in homes, especially now. <laughs> and um, so I, they need to function for you and that kind of thing. So that definitely inspired me into the area of architecture that I work in now. Where are you based? I live in San Francisco and I work at a small firm up in Marin County in California. Okay. So you're a construction kid. You grew up in construction, not, not the business yes. of construction, but actual construction. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I did that too. Most of my life lived in a house of, uh, of renovation. My mom and dad were constantly adding and renovating and, and, uh, you know, walking around on plywood and looking, waiting, yep. <laughs> trying to avoid the nails and the screws on the floor while you're trying to eat breakfast. Yep. Exactly. So, um, next Jessica, what's your story? My introduction to architecture was actually through art and fine arts. So I grew up in Miami, Florida, and I attended 
the design magnet school dash design and architecture senior high. So my intention was throughout my life, my parents always put me in after school art programs. So I always did like painting, drawing, sketching, uh, sculpture and all that stuff. So I applied to that design school just thinking that I would do just fine arts or something. But through that school, it's very um, design oriented. So I had to pick a strand or a design major which it just happened to be architecture by accident. And I kind of just like fell in love with it. Um, Eric Hankin was my teacher and we would go on site visits to the construction that was happening at the time in Miami. So I got to see a lot of projects um, from start to finish. And I kind of just went with it because I liked the idea that it was art just in real life that yeah. humans can interact with. So, so you said you picked it by accident. How did that happen? I mean, what, what sort of, <laughs> did somebody else assign it to you or? Uh, so architecture was my second choice. I actually wanted to do fashion because uh, they had a fashion program, but their program was really full. So they're like, architecture is your second choice or you can rebuttal and you have to do like all of this paperwork and like create an argument. And I was like, eh, I'll stick to architecture. If I like it, I like it. And if I don't, I'll change my mind. But... How old were you? This was, I had to decide freshman year of high school. Uh, so oh. 15, 16. And, and did you, when you started doing that and you started touring the construction sites and seeing Miami mm -hmm. being built, which is amazing to have that opportunity. Um, when did the switch flip where you said, oh, maybe I can do this forever? Well, I think around like 16 or 17, when I started to really think about what my career would be like. Well, one, when you're in a school that's like highly selective of students, you see your peers and you're like, they are way better artists than me. Like I could never make it as an artist <laughs> if I'm standing next to this kid over here. Um, so one, I was like, mm, maybe art's not my thing, but architecture, I'm really liking it. And like, I like the conversations that I'm having with my professor. And I think that was the switch. And then seeing the work being built, it's like, oh, this, this could happen. Like my artwork might not sell, but I could work <laughs> at a firm and see a project be built. Yeah. So where are you based now, Jessica? So I, long story short, my career took a little detour. Uh, I'm not practicing, but I'm working um, at the AIA in Washington, D.C. Okay. So I live right outside of Washington, D.C. in Arlington. What are you doing for the AIA? I work as a manager for their Center for Emerging Professionals. Um, so I work under the umbrella of workforce. So it's basically, I do a lot of programming and resources for the Institute. So the Women's Leadership Summit that happened, uh, the Emerging Professionals Party at conference and other events and stuff. Yeah. Thank you for doing that. That's important. Nordry, how about you? So... I don't remember my, the age, but I think my mom bought me Legos when I was five or six. And you know how they come with instructions on what to do? I did it pretty quickly and then I got bored and I started doing other things <laughs> and I was making little houses. So my mom came by and she's like, what are you doing? So I told her, I'm making houses. I want to do this when I grow up. And she said, oh, you want to be an architect. And that was it. Like, had she said, I want to be a contractor, 
maybe this would be a different story. Yeah. And I wouldn't have met Lizzie and Jessica. So thank you, mom, for choosing my career. Yeah. You know, but, just, just as an aside, before you go any further, five or six, I, let's call it five, uh, is, is the youngest I've ever heard. Because I really? ask that question of, to everybody. Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah. Well, Get thank you. Award, youngest. <laughs> Most committed to the profession. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I dedicate this award to my mother. Okay. Thank you, mom. Thank you. <laughs> Always. Um, yeah, but I've really, I've never wanted to do anything else. And when I was in high school, one of my best friends, her parents, both her parents were architects. So I grew up with those role models and mentors. And every step of the way, I had people telling me I could do it. And then I got to architecture school where I made a great group of friends who also told me I could do it. I'm seeing them on the Zoom call right now. <laughs> and um, today I work in a small firm in Houston, Texas. All right. Yeah. You three are clearly good friends for anybody who listens to the show will <laughs> clearly understand that that friendship and that camaraderie is clearly communicated in the discussions they have, which is one of the reasons why I like the show so much. I learn a lot about the women in the industry because you talk about all different um, they're not just architects, they're landscape architects, contractors, builders, everything. It's, and it's the, it's the women who built the profession, right? It's the stories that we weren't taught, right? And there, there are hundreds of them that were out there that were doing all the same things the men were doing, but they weren't getting written about and they weren't being talked about. Right. Um, and so exactly. that's why this podcast is, is not only entertaining, but it's very important for the profession to hear these stories. Uh, and I actually tweeted just the other day that I think this should be part of uh, every high school curriculum that, you know, the stories of female professionals making a difference in the world is something that needs to be talked about more. Uh, and I think this podcast will do uh, that quite a bit. Uh, I was also a Lego kid, Norjury. In good company. I have so many common threads here with all three. <laughs> My mom still has the giant basket of Legos in her house in New Jersey <laughs> that my kids play with when they go there. It is, it is awesome. Basket. The basket is probably three feet tall, Whoa. Uh, probably 24 inches wide, and it is full of Lego pieces. <laughs> we would, we just like you, Nordry, we would build the, the, follow the instructions in the first one. And then the instructions would go in some, some box because we wouldn't, couldn't possibly throw them away. We might want to use them again, but, but we never did. <laughs> right? Right. The box is still there too. <laughs> And, and we would just have a giant basket of Legos that we could play with. And we would call it playing Legos. We're going to go play Legos. And uh, we did that for years and years and years. And, uh, and yeah, and I think Legos is also a very common story in many people, in many architects' origin stories of, of Legos and Lincoln Logs and building things from scratch. And so it's great. It's great to hear your stories, to understand where you came from and how you got to where you are now. Let's talk about She Builds podcast. I want to know first, what was the inspiration for She Builds podcast? Nigeria, that was your brainchild. That's, yeah, it's <laughs> you. <laughs> well, I was listening to podcasts and I wanted to listen to a new one. I wanted to listen to a women architecture history podcast and I couldn't find it. So, and I looked. So I told my husband, maybe I should make this podcast like as a joke, but he didn't think it was a joke. He thought it was. <laughs> A really great idea so he was the first fan and then I got a second opinion 
I asked someone else, what do you think about this? And my friend said, mm, I don't think that there's enough women architects or women huh. building through history to develop a show around it. It sounds like a limited series. And I think at that moment, I knew I had to do it. Yeah. <laughs> the challenge is on. Yes. <laughs> I knew that there just had to be countless women that we just don't know. And I couldn't fault him because we don't learn about them. Right. So it, it's easy to think that they don't exist. And very early on, so that was last year. And early on, I knew I didn't want to do it alone. So I told Lizzie and Jessica separately <laughs> to see which one would bite. And then they both did. So I'm so thankful because the show we have today totally belongs to all three of us. Like it would not have been the same, just me. And also our technical producer who puts everything together. It's, yeah. it's been an amazing, <laughs> what's an amazing his name? I, I, you say it on the show, but what's so we got, you need to give him credit. Yes. yes. His name is John W. John Wiganowski, but we call him John W. Yes. Yeah. Thank you, John. So you're, doing much. A, you're doing a great job, John. It makes him sound really good. It makes us sound really good. <laughs> yes. and, and I could imagine that there's probably lots of editing because the three of you have this sort of back and forth and lots of fun and going off script. And, and so I'm sure there's quite a bit of editing going on there. So John, you're doing a great job. Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Very much. Um, I wanted to talk about women through history. But Jessica was very adamant that we also need to talk about women today. And Lizzie was the one that said, we should call them karyotids because they hold up their profession. I love that. Let's take a break to thank our sponsors for their support of this episode. When building a business you're passionate about, it's easy to feel like there aren't enough hours in the day. And if you're doing all the invoicing and accounting on your own, you're probably spending time on work you don't love. FreshBooks is built for business owners like us. It's the all-in-one accounting software that saves entrepreneurs and freelancers up to 11 hours a week. That's 11 hours that you can spend nailing a client pitch, designing your next project, or building your business as an architect. From preparing, sending, and following up on invoices, to tracking and managing expenses, to processing online payments, FreshBooks automates and simplifies all the tough and annoying parts of running your own business. So try FreshBooks for free for 30 days. No credit card required. Go to entrearchitect.com FreshBooks and enter Entree Architect in the How Did You Hear About Us section and get more time back to build the business you love. That's entrearchitect.com FreshBooks. BIM can be important for your next project, but it's not the only thing you need for your next project. That's why it's important that 95% of manufacturers who offer free BIM files on RCAT also offer another type of data or information that your project may need. That means 95% of the products with BIM also have CAD files, are in a specification, in a patented spec wizard, or may have product information to help you make the right selection. So stop going to a site with just BIM and go to rcat.com to get everything you need for your next project for free and without registering. No cost, no credit card, no email. It's free. That's rcat.com, A-R-C-A-T.com. Now, you've probably heard of Zaha Hadid Architects. 
they're one of the world's best known firms. And when it comes to innovation, they're big fans of pushing boundaries. The team at ZHA has started using Twin Motion, a simple real-time ArcViz tool that lets you instantly visualize ideas and clearly communicate them to stakeholders. ZHA designer Marco Marchetta says that the benefits of using Twin Motion for the designers are the simplicity of the interface, the playfulness with which you can articulate your scenes, and not having to worry about all the technical aspects that real-time usually brings, like light maps and PBR workflows or other technical details. Marco also loved Twinmotion Cloud, which lets any member of the team access the project from their web browsers without a single download or installation. The project manager can access the model, review it, and immediately give you feedback anytime from anywhere, says Marco. To download a free trial today, visit our exclusive URL, twinmotion.link slash entrearchitect. That's twinmotion.link slash entrearchitect to try Twinmotion for free. Please visit our platform sponsors today and thank them for supporting you, the Entree Architect community. Elizabeth, why don't you talk about the structure of the show? How is it? Because that's exactly what you're talking about, Nordry, is that, that you, right. the show has got a very, which is another reason why it's a good show, because you have a format and you have a structure that you follow each time. Can you talk a little bit about how the show is structured and how it works? Yeah, for sure. So we have sort of each one of us takes the lead on one episode and that kind of thing. And it's more, it's like one of us is telling the story of a woman in history to the other two. And it becomes kind of a conversation. They ask questions, they respond, and then we'll tell the woman's story. It's kind of biography style, you know, where was she born? How did, did she go to school? What kind of works did she do throughout her life? And any other like interesting tidbits about her life, whether they're related to architecture or not. And then at the end of the episode, we have a segment that Nergity mentioned. It's called the Karyatid. And so we'll choose a woman who is alive and working today, who is related to the woman in history from our episode and highlight them briefly to just kind of talk about what they're doing in the profession today and how they relate to the woman in history of our episode. Yeah, I love that part because not only are we learning about women who helped build the profession, but you're also tying, and it's not just picking a woman that's out there now doing something interesting. It's somebody that's directly connected to the story that you just told in history. So you're sort of linking the mm-hmm. the, the current to the past. Really, really interesting. Um, so how do, you, how do you pick who you're going to focus on for both sides, the history and the karyatid? So typically we start with the historical part and to be honest, I think this first season, coincidentally, there was a pattern that happened that we didn't plan for. Or we have this huge Google Doc list of women that we find somehow and we just add to the list and then... So that's 10 or 12, right? <laughs> no, it's like... <laughs> I'm joking. Like I, I lost count and sometimes there's links to other sites that have long lists of women. I'm pointing out how wrong that other person was, that it was a one series. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's right. He's apologized since then, so we, we don't have to. We won't name any names. <laughs> but you know who you are. <laughs> yes. Um, so from this long list, the three of us kind of just call dibs. Like, we'll just say, I like yeah. this lady. I want to talk about her. And we'll also, 
like you mentioned on our show, we don't have, we don't just talk about architects. So we try to be fair, like, okay, we've talked about two architects, let's get an engineer, let's get a landscape architect. And then we'll make our decisions based off of that. And then as far as a karyotid goes, sometimes it's pretty easy, like the founder of the Landscape Architect Society. So you immediately think like, well, what's happening now with that organization? And then just so happens that the president of that organization is a woman. So that's an easy fix. Um, I think sometimes between the three of us, we read articles on like all the different architectural architecture editorials, and we see names that come up and names that are pretty consistent. And we know that like this lady, she's doing something and her story, it kind of reminds me of this historical woman. So we kind of just, they just so happen to like fall into place that way. Yeah. It's kind of organic. Yeah. Yeah. But Jessica is the best karyotid picker. I feel like she's... Yeah. The- <laughs> well, I'm very in it. I'm very Yeah, in- I feel like she she's always like, oh, that reminds me of this person and that kind of thing. Yeah, with the position you have at AIA and the networking that you're doing there and the, the, the connections you have probably makes the ability to do that easier. Yeah, I would say so. But it's not so much so that I'm like working with these women directly. Right. Have exposure to them. Yeah, like I hear their names come up in the different like things that they're doing, the lectures that they give. I also attend a lot of lectures because some of these women I'm interested in learning more about to include in some of our own programming as well. So I always have my ears to the ground. Yeah. Every episode sounds very well researched. I don't know how deep you go, but it sounds very well researched. How long does it take to prepare before you actually go live and have the recording? I think we all have our different methods of research. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, it depends. I go deep. I love history. So sometimes I find something that leads me somewhere else. I feel like I spend weeks Googling and reading. But (laughs) Jessica and Lizzie are kind of streamline it more than I do. They have books. Yeah. So how, how long does it take you, Elizabeth? For the first season, it wasn't too long in terms of the research because the women that I chose were in this book that a friend had given to me, actually. And so I was able to pull most information from there and then also with some Googling and things mixed in. Um, So the research portion wasn't that much, but then it's more like, you know, organizing it with the script and whatnot. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how much longer it'll take me this time. (laughs) (laughs) When you you get to the the end of the book, you're like, oh, what do I do now? (laughs) Luckily, you live in the time of internet with Google. You can just Google. This is true. This is true. Uh, Jessica, how long does it take you? Um, I would say like maybe a day, like a solid day. I I do a lot of internet looking up. Um, I've found a lot of like digital archives where I can find articles, which has become very handy during this time. But yeah, I've been fortunate enough that some of these women, their stories are a lot easier to find. And I think overall in general, I don't know if we'll have that much luck in the coming seasons. So I think what helps too is that we're not only researching this women, but we're also researching about the profession in general. So like in some of our episodes, I think that's what leads to some of our conversations is that we also want to expose the profession to non-architecture folks out there. So then 
just by our research alone, we can start to pick questions of like, well, how did architecture school get started? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So like the script kind of writes itself after that. Um, but after we do, we do have a script. So to speak, yeah, I wanted our- to ask you about that because it sounds like you work from a script. I mean, when you're talking about the history, it sounds like you're, you know, you've written out the history and, but it's not, the episode doesn't sound like you're just reading it, right? You're telling right. the story, you're using the script to tell that story. And so is there an actual script, like I'm going to say all these words, or is it more sort of an outline? So this is fun. Um, so we do have a script where we outline all the facts and then are like insert a topic of discussion or a question to ask one another. Um, some of us, we might actually write exactly word for word of what we want to say. Others like me, we'll just put like, talk about this and then riff off of that. So it, I think it really depends on our styles. Yeah. One thing to note, though, is that when we write this script, we're not writing it to be a lecture. So like we want it to be like you're just telling your friends this cool story about someone, you know, that's mm-hmm. very successful. That's exactly how it comes off. It sound it doesn't sound like it's a, you know, like a college lecture. It sounds like three friends hanging out. Hey, do you hear about this woman doing this thing? And you, know, <laughs> and you tell her story and it's great. Yeah with the script and that kind of thing it's we need it because we will go on too many tangents otherwise (laughs) it keeps us on message (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) so it's good i mean we do script in most of our responses but like jessica said then we do often like we'll add little things here and there and i think we try to write it in a way that it's like react in an in a natural sort of way you know like that's kind of the mentality like she was saying we're we're writing it as if we're reacting that way yeah and it sounds that way. I mean, I, I can't tell which ones are scripted and which ones are natural because you go off script too. And, uh, and yeah. you, can't, you can't really tell which one's which, um, which is great. I mean, it's, it, and that's because, you know, you're, you're friends and you're good at what you're doing and you're passionate about what you're doing. So it's easy to talk about that. In terms of passion and she builds sort of as a brand, do you have any ideas or thoughts or plans beyond podcast? Or have you never thought of that? Who's going to speak first? Sounds like there are plans. (laughs) Yeah, we've thought about it, but this is all extremely new to us. Yeah. So we've been learning as we go along. But we we do want for our message to reach as wide an audience as possible. And like you said, we've through the podcast, we've learned how important it is to share these stories, to do what we're doing. And we've been thinking of, how to reach a wider audience. Is it through merchandise? Is it um, translating the show? I have a, a dream to do it in Spanish so that my dad can understand more because he his first language is Spanish. Lizzie and Jessica, do you speak Spanish? Yeah, they do. Yeah. They both speak Spanish? <laughs> See? <laughs> yeah. We can do so, it. We can do it. Yeah. yeah. We just need to find the time. There's a gigantic market for that yeah i mean yeah so more little girls can hear us and and learn that would be great 100 percent. as i listen to it and i hear all these stories and the way they're presented as stories it would make a great book it really would make a great book it's on our list it it could be like a a, you know (laughs) volumes right It, it could be you know, season one, here's the book, here's the background, here's the story, you know, and every season you do another book it would be really Do cool. you know any publishers? <laughs> we'll talk, we'll talk. <laughs> people will call his people. <laughs> um, 
but a book is definitely because I think when we first started having conversations about the show and we realized we were like, what? This woman did this building? Like, do you know in architecture school how many times we talked about this building and they never mentioned the woman that was like yeah. behind the right. scenes? And you think about like creating a more equitable profession or you even think of as a student, like what kind of resources are out there where you're like, could you see an architect that looks like you while you're in school? Could that have been a motivator? Or even just writing a research paper. How much cooler would that research paper on Shandigar would have been if you included Jane Drew, like right. another woman architect? Like how much depth? So it became a conversation like maybe our podcast can be an informal resource for students or other yeah. people yeah. in research. So a book has definitely been on our radar as well. But we wanted to get the podcast thing figured yeah. out first. <laughs> Started first. <laughs> Do you feel that it's a long-term, lifelong mission? Does it Has it gotten there yet? Or is it just sort of, we're having a good time here, we're doing a good thing, we'll see where it goes? I do. I feel that it's yeah. a life I think mission. it's starting to set in like that. Do you know what I mean? I think at first, obviously, like, you kind of have that idea that you hope it'll be that, but you're not really sure, like, how it'll end up coming across or how good we'll be able to make it in that kind of thing. And so we've been just blown away by the response that yes. people have, like, especially like your comments and like others that we've had, um, the feedback has been phenomenal. And we're just like, we're so amazed by that. And so I think that makes it feel like it could be kind of a lifelong mission or thing. So thank you, Mark, to your shout yeah. out. For us to be on the show is awesome. Um, I think when we like thought about launching that the show, I think in the back of our heads we might have thought like, yeah, our cousins are like friends and our parents <laughs> right. will listen. Right. But the fact that it's reached like all these people and it's crazy. Yeah, it's really wonderful. <laughs> it's the beauty of technology is that, is that is that if you do something that's interesting and entertaining, because that's important with podcasting, it needs to also be entertaining because we have so many opportunities to listen or watch or read something. And so people who are listening are choosing to listen to you. And so it has to be entertaining. It has to be uh, informative and it has to be high quality. And you have all three. And that's why it's working right? Because it's informative. You've done your research. It's an important topic. It's entertaining because the three of you clearly have a great rapport with one another. And so that's fun to listen to. And it's, the quality is good, John. It's good. The quality is good. <laughs> Yay, John W. <laughs> Yay. So uh, do you want to give any tips on or any secrets on next next season? Do you have any anybody coming up that uh, we should be aware of? Or should we just hold them all in suspense? What do you guys think? We could say one word. Well, I love surprises, so I'm going to keep it in suspense. The two of you decide what you want to say. <laughs> I'm going to say it because I like, I'm going like to drop a breadcrumb. Yeah, yeah. a breadcrumb. Um, <laughs> so we are developing our second season. So we're doing research and all that stuff. But uh, this time we're going to go international. All right. Mm -hmm. So have it what you will. Stay tuned. <laughs> drop it. Drop Stay the mic tuned. right there. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, definitely subscribe to She Builds Podcast. Um, before we wrap up, ladies, I'd like to ask you the question that I ask everybody. It's a big, giant, wide open question, and it's an important question. What is one thing that a small firm architect who are listening, that's who is listening here, 
a small firm architect can do today to build a better business for tomorrow? I'll start with Elizabeth. I think just having people around you who are supportive of you or like who can kind of, I mean, we've definitely had a lot of help from people around us and that kind of thing, friends and that kind of thing. And that has been really great because I feel like it feels like it's kind of a, like all of us pulling from lots of different people to make something great come together and that kind of thing. And so I do think like with a small business, that would definitely be something that I would look to is just kind of advice and that kind of thing or tips from people or mentors, like someone who's done it before and that kind of thing. Yeah. You can't do it alone. That's something that no. I learned over the years. And it took me a long time to learn it in what I'm doing today. Um, you can't do it alone. If you want to grow it into something significant, you need help. You can't do it alone. And so that's great, great advice. Jessica, how about you? Yeah, I think to follow up with Lizzie, I think of the flip side. So yes, use your network to help uh, create what you want to create, but also think of the person coming after you. So like if I was a small firm owner, and I had an intern or a recent grad or a young emerging professional, bring them along to like, see what you're doing, because it's very um, useful on both ends, teaching them and them learning and share as much as you can, right? Nordri, what about you? What's your tip for small firm architects? Those were such great tips. (laughs) (laughs) I would say have a passion project, like what we're doing. Uh, I think She Builds Podcast has helped me focus on my career as well. Doing something on the side that I love has made me remember how much I love work and I feel inspired by the ladies I'm talking about. I want to be them. So I think having a passion project can feed into your business as well. Three excellent answers to that question. Thank you very much. Elizabeth Rohr, Jessica Rogers, and Nordri Rivas. Uh, listen and subscribe right now. Go. As soon as we're finished with this podcast, look it up. She Builds Podcasts. It's available everywhere that you listen to podcasts. Also, check out the extensive show notes, including photos of the people that you're talking about, the places that you're talking about a list of all the references that they hit. So there's a whole bibliography and everything that they're talking about is all there. It's all documented at shebuildspodcast.com. Go there and find out more information beyond the podcast. Uh, also feedback and questions, right? The ladies are looking mm-hmm. for feedback and questions. And so email them, go to the site, shebuildspodcast.com. You can email them there. You can find them on social media everywhere as she builds podcast, except Twitter, you can drop the cast. She builds pod on Twitter. <laughs> Twitter limits you how many, how many names you, or how many letters you can have. She builds podcasts everywhere. So uh, this has been a lot of fun. I, I appreciate you for what you're doing. I think it's a, as I mentioned, it's a very important subject. And I also, I think some people might hear she builds podcasts and think it's, uh, you know, about women for women. It is not about women for women. It's certainly about women, but it, it is, it is a great show. Like I said, it's one of my favorites. So everybody who is listening should go subscribe and listen to one episode and you'll be hooked. I guarantee you. Mm-hmm. Uh, Elizabeth Rar, Jessica Ra- Rogers, Nordri Rivas, She Builds Podcast. Thank you very much for joining me here today on Entree Architect Podcast and for sharing your knowledge with the world. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.
She Builds podcast, where we share stories about women in the design and construction field, one lady at a time. I'm Jessica Rogers. I'm Norjeri Rivas. I'm Lizzie Rar. We're going to talk about Elizabeth Bragg Cumming, who, depending on who you ask, was the first woman to receive a degree in engineering from an American university. As I said, we're talking about Julia Morgan. And I think if people have heard about her, it's because she designed Hearst Castle. Ooh, I love the Art Deco movement. It's very luxe. Yeah. For those that don't know, think early 1920s, Great Gatsby style. But they only took the top 30 people. So she didn't get in the first time, and she had to try again after six months. But the judges purposefully docked points the second time she took the exam so that she couldn't get in. What? That is bananas. I bet you they took points off until she was 31, and then they rubbed it in her face. In 1926, Eileen bought property in a town near Monaco that would become the now E-1027. And this house is amazing. It was essentially designed all by Eileen. You know, Jean, he would travel, I guess, working on his own projects. But Eileen actually stayed on the property while it got built. So Jean was friends with Corbu. And Corbu and Jean would visit the villa while it was in construction. And there was some design input from Jean. But after it was built, everyone credited Jean and Corbu and not Eileen. Of course that happened. Corbu, usurper of Chandigarh and E-1027. Usurper of all things. Let me read you a quote from Elizabeth. My work was unusual, and possibly I had less friction than some of the other co-wets. And I was sort of a boy among boys, and so I managed to get along pretty comfortably. Is she British? Were you going to say Is she British? Yeah, that's what I was going to ask. <laughs> I bet you that in the 1800s, they had that little accent. Maybe. Yeah, she was from a wealthy family. <laughs> Hilarious. No, I just like, I noticed that you started going British. <laughs> she goes in and out. Without further ado, this week's karyotid is... <laughs> Elizabeth Roberts. Yay, Elizabeth! Are you even listening? Love that you're learning. <laughs> I'm learning. I love that you're learning with us right now. <laughs> yes. That's the whole point. All eyes on We're so excited for you to come back and keep learning about women bosses with us. SheBuildsPodcast.com or follow us on Instagram and Facebook at SheBuildsPodcast and on Twitter at SheBuildsPod. Don't forget me. Don't forget me. After listening to that again, I am so excited and I'm really looking forward to the launch of She Builds Podcast Season 4, which launches August 31st, 2021. Make sure to check them out right now and go listen to all the past episodes. And don't forget to subscribe while you're there so you don't miss this upcoming Season 4. You can find all the information you need at SheBuildsPodcast.com. Oh, and there's one other place you can listen and subscribe and find out more information about their show gablemedia.com 
Yes, that's right. She Builds Podcast is the newest network partner at Gable Media. You can go there right now to listen to all their episodes alongside all the other great content at Gable Media. Thank you again to Nordry, Elizabeth, and Jessica for joining me in this episode of Entree Architect Podcast. And we are so excited to have you as a fellow creator at Gable Media. Go check them out right now at gablemedia.com slash shebuilds. That's G-A-B-L media.com slash shebuilds. If you liked this episode of Entree Architect Podcast, please share a rating, write a review, and share a link to this episode with a friend. That's how you could help grow Entree Architect Podcast. Thank you to our sponsors, FreshBooks, Arcat, and Twinmotion for their support of this episode. Links to all our sponsors and all our resources that we discussed today are available at the show notes for this episode found at entrearchitect.com slash podcast. Entree Architect is a member of the Gable Media Podcast Network. Gable Media is curated thought leadership for an audience dedicated to building a better world. That's you. Listen and subscribe to all the shows at gablemedia.com. That's G-A-B-L media.com. Go there now. And check out Entree Architect Academy membership. Ready to edit business resources for architects, live monthly business training for architects, a supportive architect community, and Simple Systems, our new business system program developed for you, the small firm entrepreneur architect. It's all waiting for you right now at Entree Architect Academy membership, including AIA continuing education learning units. Yep, they are there, they are too. Entree Architect is there for you. Come join me and hundreds of your entrepreneur architect friends. Visit entrearchitect.com slash join to enroll today. Thanks for listening today. Love, learn, and share what you know. I've mentioned it to my family, but in terms of telling people like, oh yeah, we're doing this, I'm looking for projects. You got anything? Yeah. I'm, I'm not there yet because it scares the out of me. Dreaming of launching your own architecture firm? Well, buckle up for a wild ride with Emerging, the podcast that shares what it's really like to start an architecture firm. Where do we begin? We don't even know what type of business to formalize as. Is it an LLC? Is it an LLP? Like how are taxes? I mean, the list is astronomical. Season one featured founders, Jeffrey, Lexi, and Chris, owners of Level Studio Architecture, are your fearless guides on this unfiltered journey from napkin sketches to a thriving studio. One evening, stumbled into one last dive, we sat at the bar and pondered our postgraduate futures. Amidst the conversation, a napkin became the canvas for our aspirations, sketching plans and milestones, sealing our heartfelt commitment and shared dreams. In drawing down dreams on a napkin collectively, that, (laughs) then, you know, in your head, you've rooted like, oh, I'm connected to these people, like long term. The process of starting an architecture practice brims with excitement and challenges, demanding meticulous planning, flawless execution, and unyielding resilience. I kind of hate the term because it's so overly used, but I think everybody knows imposter syndrome. And I think it's it's so real to this day. I, I, I don't know if it's with everybody, but with me, I'm always questioning like, 
us? Can we do this? Are we ready to do this? Are we prepared? Can we do it? Did we just decide a name? <laughs> we did it, guys. Oh my the one that God. came out of nowhere. Woo! It came out of nowhere. I liked it. I saw it. Ready to turn your aspirations into reality? Follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Emerging and chart your own path to architectural success. Calling all small firm architects. It's time to tap into your full potential with Entree Architects Context and Clarity, where inspiration meets innovation. Hey, it's Mark Arlapage, founder of Entree Architect, and I'm inviting you to join my two favorite co-hosts, Jeff Eccles and Katie Kangas, as they bring together authors, experts, and thought leaders for electric conversations with entrepreneur architects around the globe. It's not just a podcast. It's a community where dreams meet action. There's a simple equation there. And what for me, what that did, just doing that basic calculation was it allowed me to compare what I had actually saved in my retirement accounts to what I thought a possible projected annual spend might be. Artists are temperamental, so beautiful design is going to be a priority. When the job is done, we're going to actually need to live in the house, not live with the person who designed it. <laughs> and so for me, the, the artistic skill, the architectural skill is most important. And so I would say like that would be 60% of it, if not more. Gain insights to build a successful practice. Subscribe, engage, and let's redefine your future together. Join the Context and Clarity community, where every conversation adds to your blueprint for success.